Let's get into God's Word uh, today. Uh, Today's message is the battleground of the mind. And we started this series with King Saul, and what a start for King Saul. He had a powerful start to his ministry. He was anointed by God, and he goes right into battle, wins a battle for the kingdom of Israel. Man, things were going good for him. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 13, they, it's like they were feeling good about themselves, so they take on the Philistines. And they start attacking the Philistines. And this group of people, though, when they were attacked, they didn't back down. You know, it was like King Saul and his army were like, hey, don't you know we just took out the Ammonites? We're coming. We're... And they attacked them, but the Philistines didn't back down from them. And it's so interesting, and I just have to pause there and just encourage you today and, and say, you know what? If the Philistines didn't back down from an attack, neither should the people of God. The Philistines, they were attacked in 1 Samuel 13 by the Israelites, but, and they know about the victory. Things word spread. They didn't have the Internet, but the word still spread back in the day. They knew what they did to the Ammonites. They, know, they knew what Saul began to do with his army and how they had the momentum but the Philistines did not back down from being attacked. And I just want to encourage you today that the people of God should more so be those type of people. That when we get attacked, because just because you accept Christ into your life does not mean you will not have problems. Does not mean you will not have attacks. We will be attacked. We will have problems. Difficulties will come against us. But we should not back down. We should not back down from attacks. And yes, we, we could be humbled by it. And yes, we should get on our knees. But there is also a spirit of faith that rises up within us. And that's what I'm thinking about next Sunday night. There is a spirit of faith that is rising up within me. And it's something inside of me that when we get attacked, when we, we get the bad news, when we get the bad report, there's something inside of me. And that's what was I was fearing that this year, I knew, I knew we were going to get some more bad news. It was going to come. Things weren't going to just disappear and everybody was going to be skipping around again. It wasn't going to happen. I knew that there would be difficulties coming our way, but there was a confidence inside of me that said, we're going to take this. We're going to be overcomers. We're not going to back down, but we're going to stand up on the promises of God. And it's going to be difficult, but with the Lord's help, we're going to move forward. And if the Philistines could do it, if the Philistines could, could fight back, how much more should we fight back when life gets coming after us? How much more? Because we know we have the victory. We know we have Christ on our side. We know we have the Word of God. We know we're not in this alone. We know God is for us. So the Philistines, they were attacked. And they said, you know what? It's time to fight back. The Philistines did not back down. They came after King Saul. And King Saul and his men, they woke up a sleeping giant. Of course, Saul, he gathered his army. But listen, this is what the Philistines' response in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5 says. The Philistines, this is after they've been attacked, the Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. 
they camped at Michmash east of Beth-Avon. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier. But Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? It was not the place of the king of Israel to offer sacrifices to God. That was the job of the priest. He was the king and he had a lot of authority. But he was a man of authority because he was under authority. And he was ultimately under the authority of God. Nobody is above God. I'm not above God. You're not above God. If you have authority in your life, be grateful that you've been given that privilege. But always know, if you have authority, it's because you're under authority. And never forget that. Never let that escape your mind. It escaped the mind of Saul. He thought he was above the authority of God. And he, did, he made the sacrifices that only Samuel was allowed to make. He wasn't there to do that part, and he did something wrong. Oh, wow, what a change of events for King Saul. Here he was, like I said, he, he had one victory. Now he's attacking the Philistines. And all of a sudden it starts falling apart. So soon, so quick, he starts falling apart. And I want to tell you today that God had set up King Saul for victory. God had set King Saul up to be blessed for all eternity. God had set up King Saul so that his kingdom would be established. God did not set him up for failure. God did not set him up to fail. God had set him up to experience the blessings of God. And Saul was enjoying the winning. He was enjoying the, the, the power of overcoming. And it's great to win, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful to, to get the good reports in? It's, it's wonderful to have your family smiling all, during the day. It's wonderful when your wife cooks your favorite meal. I mean, it's just everything's going great when you get green lights. And I love it when there's sales at Walmart or at Jewel. I love it when I'm there and it's just everything is just going good. It's great. Oh, I tell you what, uh, I was at the wagon wheel yesterday. I had one of the best meals besides Tara's home cooking, at a restaurant. I mean, it was, I'm being serious. I really was at the wagon wheel. Tried their buffalo chicken um, mac and cheese. Boy, that was good. Did I say, oh, I, I know we call it wagon wheel. We renamed it the wagon wheel, but it is the stagecoach there in Lockport. I'm calling it the wagon wheel. They have a, a wagon with a wheel in there, so it's the wagon wheel, right? It was good. I was so fixated on the dinner. It didn't matter what they called the restaurant. They called McDonald's, but I, I still love it. I mean, isn't it just great? I, I just had one of those meals, and I ate it all, and I was so full. I, and then their cornbread. Oh, 
man, it was so good. It, they were on it yesterday. It's just great when everything's going good, right? It's great when your food's good and the, everything's happening and your, your job is getting done on time. You're, you're finished and you still got two hours left at, at your job. This is great. But what happens when life is not going your way? What happens, and I won't tell you of another restaurant that was uh, in Lockport, because I don't like to give bad jobs, but when you get a bad meal, and I, you know, I asked the lady, I said, I, I, I either go, if I had never been to a place, I either go for a burger, I love fish and chips. And I asked her, I said, how's your fish and chips? She said, oh, they're the best. They were the worst fish and chips I've ever had. What happens when, you know, you get the worst meal, not the best meal? What happens when you get bad news and not good news? What happens when it's, you should be leaving at 4 o'clock and the job's still not done and you've got to be there until 5 to 6 o'clock? What happens when you're getting all red lights and not green lights? What's going on? Saul, every, it was going good for Saul. He was winning. He, was, he had the momentum. He had everything going for him. He was smiling and he was shining and his army was feeling it. They were looking good and they were being good until all of a sudden a problem came their way. Until it looked like they weren't winning. Until they, they saw an army that was bigger than their army. It was like they started messing with them and they said, uh-oh, big brother showed up. Why did I start messing with this guy? What happens? What happens when things are not going your way? And I want to share with you, we're going to play a little bit of Monday morning quarterback. And most guys know what that means. That means, you know, it's the, the guys play on Sunday. And then on Monday, we, we talk about how the quarterback messed up. And if the quarterback would have done this, and if he would have done that, they would have won the game. It's the Monday morning quarterback. And we're going to play that this morning with Saul. Because there's some things that he did wrong that we need to see and correct. Because... And I'll stick with the sports idea here because that's exactly what happened with Saul and his army. When Saul knew, like the game of football, you put 11 men out in the field against 11 men and you always put the best against the best. But there's some times that when the home team, they have a crowd of people and that crowd of people becomes like a 12th man. And there's some stadiums that they are called the 12th man because they act like another player. And it's like these 11 guys, they see the 12th man, and it's like, man, we are playing against 12 people. This isn't fair. And they end up losing the game. They know physically they can match up with this, this team. They know one-on-one, -on -one, we're 11, they're 11, we can do this. But something happens when they enter the stadium and they hear the crowd and they have heard about the stories of this stadium and they walk in there and they begin to lose it in the mind before they even get to the field. Before, they even, before the whistle blows and the clock begins, they've already lost the battle. And I can tell you today that the battle is won or lost in our mind. The battle is won or lost in your mind. God had set them up for victory. It was guaranteed. Saul was guaranteed victory. God was not going to let Saul be defeated. But Saul needed to be tested. 
He needed to be tested. He needed to be tried. He needed to get a little bit in the fire. He needed to see that there was something out there that was going to test his faith. And that is our goodness of God. And, you know, I can tell you my heart breaks, you know, when I hear the difficulties that you go through, especially the health issues, my heart breaks. And my heart begins to break because I begin to just, I begin to absorb the presence of God and recognize, God, how great are you? Because if my heart breaks for somebody that I've only known for two years, this is somebody you've created in your image. How much more does your heart break? And God's heart breaks for your problems. And yet, you know what? You still go through it. And I say, God, you are so awesome. I don't know how you embrace the difficulties of our life, and yet you allow us to go through it. And I can tell you in this one circumstance, God allows us to go through difficulties because it's a test of our faith. If what we have, is it real? Is it real? Is it real because I've had the best dinner? Is it real because everything's going good for me? Am I in church because I have a good time this week? Am I here? Or is it because I have a faith that's unshakable? Is it because I've received the truth of God and nothing will sway me from it? It's because I've been through the fire and I've got it has brought me through it. Like Jeremy was saying and is singing and he was talking about, yeah, I've been crying this week. Why? Because he's been through the fire and God's brought him through it. And that's why he's here. And that's why I'm here because my faith has been tested. God was going to let Saul's faith be tested. The battle is in the mind. Saul, you know what he did? It's like he had a, com- a computer screen and he maximized the screen of the army of the Philistines. You know what happens when you hit that green button on your screen? It takes up the whole screen and you can't see anything behind it. All you can see, what you just maximized is all that you can see. You can no longer see what's behind it. You can no longer see. There could be eight windows open behind it. And as soon as you hit the maximize button, that's all you see. And that's exactly what Saul did. He maximized his enemy, and he could no longer see what God had done for him. He could no longer see that God had anointed him. He could no longer see that God gave him the victory against the Ammonites. He could no longer see what God had done for Moses and and, and Noah and and how God had blessed so many people through the Scriptures. He could no longer see it. He minimized it. And instead of taking control of his thoughts, he allowed his thoughts to control him. He allowed those thoughts to control him. Let me read to you uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh desire or have set their minds, uh, their minds are set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is simple algebra, right? Simple algebra. If X equals Y, then X plus 2 equals Y plus 2. All right, let's, I'll stick to preaching and uh, forget about the algebra. <laughs> I might have just messed up the algebra there. It's simple algebra, right? It's just, if you're thinking about God and what He wants, then you will live a godly life. 
It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee from God's Word that if you're constantly thinking, what does God want? What does God want in my life? What does God want to do through me? Why am I here today? Why am I going through this? God, what do you want from me? Then you are guaranteed to live in life and peace. But the opposite is also true. If all you're thinking about is, oh man, this is going wrong in my life. Oh man, now this is going to happen in my life. Oh no, if I, now that that happened, this is going to happen. Now what am I going to do over here? And what am I going to do over there? And what am I going to do over there? And if that's all that you're thinking about, then your mind is governed by your flesh, and the flesh is death. And you're going to kill your joy, and you're going to kill your strength, and you're going to kill your confidence, and you're going to kill your hope, and you're going to kill those things that sustain you, those things that build you up, those things that help you to worship God, those things that give you a smile on your face will be killed because all you're thinking about is what your flesh wants. And I can tell you, I've shared this with you many times, and I'll tell you again, um, I ask God, and I still ask God, uh, we're finally, um, you know, there's, we, we've moved into to our home, and we're still putting things away, and uh, we're, I was talking to the guys just today about shoveling. I had this perfect shovel in Utah. I could never find it uh, in the store. I couldn't find it in the Internet. The guy who used to clear our, our snow in Utah, he had it there, and I, I would help him just to enjoy the shovel because it was so much fun. And I finally said, hey, where did you buy this? Because you can't find it anywhere but I'll order you one. And he ordered me one, and I love this shovel. But God took me to Chicago, from Utah to Chicago, and he took me to a townhome where they took care of snow, and I love that. I love that even more. So I sold everything. I sold that shovel. I sold it all. We, our nieces were going to a camp, and we gave them money, and we said, hey, if you come help us with this garage sale, we'll, we'll give you this money. And I got all excited about selling everything. And now I moved into a home, and I'm like, God, I don't have my shovel. And I start, I start asking, God, why did you do that? Why? why? <laughs> you knew I didn't have many things in life that I enjoyed. I enjoyed that shovel. If you would have just taken me from Salt Lake straight to Lamont, that would have never happened. But God, you took me from Salt Lake to Chicago for a year and a half where I was just trying to figure things out. It took us eight months to figure out what God was doing and where God wanted us to, to land. And when we finally moved into this townhome, you changed it all. And on top of that, I've lost my shovel. And I, I, can, I, I can bore you all day with the things that happened because of that. But if all we're thinking about is, what do I want? And I can tell you what I want. I want to never move again. And I hope that makes you happy because I never want to move again. God, I never wanted to move three times, and I did that because when we sold our home in Utah to come to Chicago, we didn't know what was going to happen, where we were going to live, so we took all that stuff, put it in her parents' house, then we came here to my mom's house, then we found the, the townhome, so then we went back to get that stuff, and then we moved it into the townhome only for a couple of months to realize God was changing that to then come here, and then I had to move all that stuff into a storage unit, and then I finally moved it into our house. I could tell you what I didn't want was all that moving. But I can tell you by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, I was never thinking about what I wanted. Because what I wanted was comfort and convenience. And in my mind, what would have been convenient 
would be, Lord, to take me from Salt Lake to Lamont. But the Lord said, no, I'm going to take you to Salt Lake to Chicago to Hickory Rose, and then I'll eventually get you over here to Lamont and live in Rockford. If you're constantly thinking about what you want, you're going to miss out on what God is doing. If you're constantly maximizing what you want, this is what I want, this is what I want fixed. This is what I want healed. And this is what I want straightened out. And this is who you need to do, God, and fix in my life. And if that's all that you're thinking about, Paul told the Romans that you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You're going to kill your joy. You're going to kill your strength. You're going to kill your confidence. But if you're constantly thinking, God, what do you want? What do you want for me? And that's what I kept thinking through that process. I kept thinking, okay, God, I, you know, here's my wife and here's my daughter, and I'm not sure if we should live in Chicago. We tried. We literally tried living in Chicago. We bought a piece of land, and, and, and the guy, uh, we tried buying that piece of land because the guy at the church said, we're going to build you a home there. And I said, okay, this sounds good. And God shut that down. I didn't know what God was doing. And it was problem after problem. And I remember so many times my wife crying in our car. Because we'd go to places and it just didn't feel right. I didn't want that. Thinking about our, our at that time, our probably our five-year-old daughter, and, and where, where is she going to live? Where is she going to land? I didn't want to have to go through all of that. But I wasn't thinking about what I wanted. And yes, there was those moments, but I had to push that aside and say, because if I would have focused on I would have wanted, I would have lost it. I just said, forget this, God. I just, I'm just going to do something else. But by the grace of God, I kept saying, God, what do you want for me? What do you want? And when things were shut down, and I've shared it with you before, I had, I had opportunities to do this and I had to do that. And I said, nope, that's not what God wants. Because I just said, God, what do you want? If you're constantly thinking about what God wants, you're going to have life and you're going to have peace. And I have great peace. <clears throat> I have great joy. He brought me through, and yes, there was plenty of times where I wanted to throw the towel in, but God brought me through those moments because I stayed focused on what God wanted. And King Saul and his men did not stay focused. They started thinking about other things. Listen to, listen to Saul here. First Samuel 13, let's go back to the story. Uh, verse 11, listen to Saul. Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me. And you didn't arrive when you said you would. God, you said you would watch over me. God, you said you would protect me. God, you said you would always be there for me. God, you said you were my shepherd, and you lead me beside still waters, and you lead me into green pastures. God, why am I living here? You said, God. How many of us have done that before? How many of us have been soft? You said you would be there. My problems got bigger. And the issues weren't being solved. And the answers weren't coming in. And this verse 12. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march us against us at Gilgal. And I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. 
so close. He was, he was right there. Saul was just one step away, just one step away from being established forever. I'm sure you've heard it before, and if not, I'll tell you for the first time or for the tenth time, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up because you're right there. Don't ever give up on God. Don't ever give up on His Word. Don't ever give up on your, on your marriage. Don't ever give up on your family. Don't ever give up because it's right there if you just hang on. If you'll just hold on, it's right there. God was blessed. He was going to bless Saul. And he was right at the door of blessing. But he saw the army scatter. He saw the army scattering. He saw the army leaving him. What did Saul want it? He wanted his army to be strong. He wanted his army to be with him. He wanted his army right there. He didn't want his army scattering. Who wants that? Who wants to go a few months not getting paid? I don't want that. But I've been through it. Who wants to, who wants to go through hard times? Nobody wants that. But that doesn't give us an excuse to deny God, to give up on God, to stop trusting God, to start pra- stop praising God. No, 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 no. That is all the more reason to praise God. That's all the more reason to worship Him and to give Him the praise and to give Him all the glory. Everything was bringing Saul to a place of blessing. And let me just share this with you. Our thoughts lead to our emotions. You know this. And our emotions lead to our actions. Our thoughts lead to our emotions. What are, what's the, what are the, your emotions right now? Whatever emotion you had started in your thoughts. And I've done this before so many times in my mind. I've, I've done it where I, something's happening where it's frustrating me. And I keep telling myself, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't do it. What I should be saying is what I should be doing because sometimes I find myself going, do this. I should be saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to act. And I've got to take control of that mind because it's in your mind already. What's in your mind will come out. It's going to lead you. And saw he saw. So he saw his army leaving him. What should have been in his mind was a story of Gideon. That should have been in his mind. Oh, man, I, look at my army. It's leaving me. But I know God can't fail me. What should I do? I, well, maybe I'll start thinking about Gideon. What did Gideon do? You, if you don't remember the story of Gideon, it's a powerful story. Gideon had uh, 32,000 men, and God whittled his army down to 300. And what did God do? God gave him the victory. It never mattered about the amount of men. I know you want an army. I know God allowed you to experience victory with an army, but you've got to trust God that God doesn't always do it the same way. And we get stuck on what God has done for us in the past, and we expect Him to do it the same way in our present. But that's not how God works, and we are His children. We've got to trust Him. We've got to put our life into His hands. And Saul put his life into his own hands. Don't ever do that. Don't do that. Don't put your life into your hands. Don't put your decisions into your hands. I know you're smart people. You're a lot smarter than me. But I'm still telling you, don't make all your decisions by yourself. You've got to submit to God. You've got to submit one to another. 
I count it a privilege when you, when you, you bring your thoughts to me and you bring your life to me. I know you're smarter than me, but I still count it a privilege that you do that because I know what you're doing. You're submitting to God. And I'm not saying I'm God. I'm His servant. But you're submitting, and I love it when you include me into your life. Because that just says to me, you know you're smart enough that you've got to put your life into God's hands. Our thoughts lead to our emotions, and our emotions will lead to our actions. What did, what did Saul say? He said, I was compelled. I was compelled. I can tell you today, something is controlling you. Something, you're being controlled. I know you think you live in America and you, you, have, you have your freedom and you have your rights, but you're being controlled. You are being controlled. Your actions today are, are it's because of certain things that have already happened. And I want to tell you the good news. I read it to you from, uh, from Romans. I'll, let me read it to you from Matthew. Matthew uh, twelve thirty four says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. The good news is, if you're putting God's Word in your heart, if you're praising the Lord, if you're putting praise in your heart, if you're putting confidence by praying and seeking the Lord, if you're putting those things in your heart, you will be a blessing. Well, you know, we won't be perfect. We sing about it. But you'll be perfectly in love with God. You'll be perfectly in, in, in connection with God. And when those moments of failure come, you know where you're going. You know where you're going. You're going into God's presence. Prayer. Prayer is so important. Prayer is thinking out loud. You know what happened in the garden? You remember what happened. Adam and Eve sinned against God. And what was the first thing that they did? And from that moment to today, you know what you and I battle with a lot? Is we battle with secrets. We want to hide. We don't want to be open. We don't want to share. We don't want to share the struggles and the temptations. And we don't want to go through the doubts that we feel and the insecurities and the weaknesses that we feel. We just want to run and hide. And we're really good at it because we hide behind our smiles and we hide behind our laughter and we hide behind our money and we hide behind our, our accomplishments. We're really good at hiding. But prayer, prayer is thinking out loud. Prayer is the perfect place to say, God, I am weak. God, I don't know why, but I keep thinking this. God, I don't know why, but this is a temptation in my life. God, I need your help. Prayer is thinking out loud. It's so powerful. You've got to take control of your thoughts because whatever is in your heart will determine what you say. Whatever is in your thoughts. Every one of you right now can be a prophet over your life. You can determine what tomorrow is going to be like for you. You can determine right now, right here, right now, you can determine the rest of your week 
by just starting to think about the Lord. By just praying and saying, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to read my Bible. I don't care what happens. I don't care who leaves me. I don't care what is going on in my life. I am going to rejoice in the Lord always. You can determine the rest of your week right here, right now. One more scripture verse, the most devastating one. Uh, the band can come up, please. First Samuel chapter thirteen, verse fourteen says, "This is what Samuel said." But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after His own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of His people, because you have not kept the Lord's commandments. Now your kingdom must end. That was the Old Testament. It was cut and dry in the Old Testament. You messed up. You talked back to your parents, you were stoned to death. No questions asked. Saul had one shot at this. And he messed it up and God said, you, you, it's, got to, it's coming to an end. But because of Jesus Christ, His mercies are new every morning. And every morning we can come before God and say, God, I messed up. I said the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. I started allowing my thoughts to wander. I'm coming to you, Jesus. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Purify me. Make me new again. I don't want to keep living in fear. I don't want to keep living in doubt. I don't want to keep living hurting people. I don't want to keep wondering and and being worried. I want to walk in confidence. I want to walk in assurance. I want to walk in faith. So God, I'm praying. I'm thinking out loud. I'm going to put God's Word into my heart. Now you know why. From the very beginning, and I hope to the very end of my time here, I will continue to tell you, reading God's Word and praying needs to be a part of your everyday life. When you're putting God's Word into your heart, you're determining your day. You're determining what you're going to say. You're going to determine what you're going to do. You're going to determine how you're going to live. The battle's in the mind. Fill it with the Word of God. Fill it with time. This is why coming to church is so important. That's why next week was so important. That's why coming, thank you men who came yesterday was so important. Because the more you're putting it into your heart, the more you're talking about it, the more you're praying, the more you're filling your heart with the Word of God. And people are going to leave you and you're going to be like, so where did everybody go? I don't care. I'm going to keep loving God. I'm going to keep worshiping Him. My, my situation is not what I want it to be, but I'm not going to let it get into my mind. I'm just going to keep filling it with God's Word. Would you stand this morning? We're going to sing a song that's going to get into your heart, that's going to get into your mind. We're going to trust the Lord with all of our heart. Father, would you just speak to us? Would your Spirit move upon us as we sing this song of consecration? May our minds be filled with your Word and your love and your mercies. Help us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you.